podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Nice article in the Managing Madrid uh, blog. Uh, wonderful lads that do a great job there. And worth reading about that man there. Karim Benzema needs to rest and the numbers reveal why. Times ended up almost looking like a 6-3-1. Some very good writing about that on the Managing Madrid website. Frustrate podcast as well. Of course, Pere Valverde was a huge part of the equation. Hello and welcome to a very, very special El Dia Después edition of the Management Podcast. We are here recording this on a Monday just after 6 p.m. Spanish time. And we are obviously on the back of Real Madrid beating Barcelona 3-1 in El Clasico. And who better to join me on El Dia Después than the usual guest, Lucas Navarrete. Lucas, how are you doing? Again, I'm doing fine. It was uh, it was good in Barcelona, and it'll be better today when, when Benzema picks up his, his Ballon d'Or. So looking forward to, to that too. Yeah, that'll happen in a couple, two and a half, no, more than that, because as we were discussing off-air, there's the boring ceremony, the whatever, the awkward thing they do that's really awkward always before they give the awards out. Like, just give us the awards, and that's it. I'm, I'm happy with that. Take some pictures. But Courtois will sweep up a, an award as well. Thoughts on Gavi reportedly winning the Copa Trophy, which, uh, I don't know. People people complain that the Real Madrid PR machine is strong. I got to tell you, Barcelona PR machine is, is, is doing something right as well. Oh, yeah, definitely. I'm, I don't see. Look, I, I get Gavi is a hardworking player and all that. And he has a motor. He has an engine. I don't. I don't rate him much, to be honest. I don't think he'll be... I don't think he would be... Uh, maybe ahead of Ceballos in the rotation in Real Madrid, to be honest. So It's just... Uh, I, I, if he was coming up through Real Madrid, he wouldn't have even been featured. Like I don't think he would have been quote-unquote discovered. But that also has to do with timing and who the players are. Barcelona had... No midfield sure. options. They were in a more desperate situation. But Gavi is an okay player. But he's just... Oh, and from what I understand, that particular award is voted by former Ballon d'Or, either uh, nominees or winners. But it's by, by that one is voted by the players either way. And uh, I think it's probably better served to go towards Bellingham or Musiala. Heck, I, I'd even put Kamavinga in front of him. Kamavinga, yeah, absolutely. Not because Kamavinga played a lot less in La Liga, but... Just the fact that he came in and bullied three of the best teams off the bench in the Champions League well, was huge. Anyway, that's uh, that's for another discussion, I guess. We're going to talk about Classico. Refresh thoughts a day after. Ewan and I did break it down, but I'm curious to know what was on your mind when you woke up this morning, the smile on your face. Describe it, uh, everything that was on your mind. Main the main point for me about this game was, was just how brilliant Cross was. I think it was... Um, one of his well, of his best performances uh, in a Real Madrid shirt, and that says and, and that says a lot about a player who's been here for seven eight years. I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was. I'm I'm running short of ad, of adjectives to to describe the performance. That's just how great it was. It was absolutely brilliant and magnificent from him. And I just cannot uh, comprehend how he hasn't been extended yet, other than the fact that he, it's probably his decision. But I, even if it's still his decision, I just I just don't understand it. The way he's playing now, I think the fact that he uh, left the German national team has helped uh, his his performances quite a lot. The same way probably that Benzema 
used uh, those FIFA breaks to get in better shape with Real Madrid and stay in Valdebebas when he wasn't being called up with France. I think it's going for Cross the same way, and I think he just has to. To, to, to understand the fact that he's been the best bit probably the best midfielder in the team so far this season and, and it makes no sense for him to to retire this early even even if he wants to go out on top I think at least one more season makes sense I don't understand it you know everyone has their own choices in life they do what they want obviously mad respect either way but he's got so much left in the tank you know and by so much I mean a lot I, I think he has a lot yeah. left in the tank like this is not like the twilight of his career no Yesterday, and I told this to Ewan because I, I said the exact same thing you said. I said, that may have been the best I've ever seen him play. And Ewan was like, think about what you're saying because it's Tony Cruz. He's been around for a long time. And I'm like, yeah, I know. But So maybe I was biased towards it because I was there. I witnessed it. But I, I, I was watching him play last night. And it's another weird one because usually we bring up like Cruz after every game. Especially when fans are like, man, Cruz does nothing. We bring up like these stats. It's like, oh, here's five key passes, uh, 17 of 17 long balls, 98% passing accuracy, this many progressive passes, passes into the final third. Last night, it was not any of that. It was just he did what he wanted to do and no one could stop him. No one could even get past him. Like he was also a defensive monster. And I just felt like I've never seen it so effortless for him. Like, it really felt like he was in a different level, a different universe to everyone else on the field. No one could touch him. Like, it didn't matter if there was three Barcelona players, four Barcelona players converging on him. He would just drop his shoulder and go past them all. His passes were great. I, I, I don't know. Like, it just felt like he could literally just float around. Like, it, in, and he was, he, was, he was playing the game from above, like, you know, I don't feel like, I don't know, am I exaggerating? I really felt like I was never worried once when Cruz had the ball. I wasn't worried about anything. Like, he was just so trustworthy, so reliant, and so good. And, uh, yeah, I thought that that Cruz performance, I'd have to really go back and, like, look, look like, what's the greatest Cruz performances ever. But this one was just felt so effortless to him. and The game flowed through him. He didn't force anything. It was just, he was just amazing. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's hard to it's hard to disagree on cross performance yesterday. I think everyone watching the game will agree. So I would like to to touch on on another player who I think hasn't been mentioned as often as he should have uh, early this season. I, I've touched on this point maybe in, in previous episodes and all that, but let's talk. I think about Carvajal. I think he's been outstanding this season. I think hmm. as as, as long as long as he's uh, able to stay here, um, for a long period, an extended period of time, I think he's uh, he's still the big influence he was five, six years ago. Obviously, maybe not in his prime from a physical standpoint, but because he was a freak, he was a, he was uh, contributing both offensively and defensively back in the day. Maybe not so much offensively now, but I think he he was still very good. Obviously, not a great call from a from a tactical standpoint to to go after uh, after that kind of pressing in Barcelona's goal I think you know obviously the biggest uh, uh, scapegoat if you will or the biggest player to, to to blame in that goal was Mendy but I think Carvajal wasn't very smart going after that pressing in that particular play either but overall I thought he was uh, he was very good against against Dembele who is a, a hard matchup I think for for any kind of player any kind of uh, right back so I think Carvajal has been impressive all season long one of the unsung heroes so 
That's interesting. I didn't expect you to say Carvajal, not necessarily because I disagree with you, but in terms of like standouts, it's, I guess maybe his performance went under the radar a bit. I don't think he was bad. I also think with regards to, you know, Mendy got scrutinized on the goal, you know, rightfully so, as he did in the game against Shakhtar for letting, um, I forgive me, I forget the name of the goal scorer, Shakhtar, mm-hmm. the baby skid just leapt over him. But I do think outside of that, Mendy had a good game. And I think if you look at that one very key moment, yeah, it was a mistake. But he also, you know, all things considered, the amount that Xavi wants to go to the wings and use Dembele and Rafinha over and over and over again, what did Dembele and Rafinha do? And I think the fact that we can't really answer that question or tell you what they did to a large extent has to do with Carvajal and Mendy, who who are both really good defensively. And I thought it's it wasn't just them. Like in isolation, I think the performances were good, but also the fact that you know, on the right side, you had Modric and Fede Valverde doing a lot of good defensive work to help. On the left side, Vinicius, who had a quote-unquote poor game, was involved in both goals, did some amazing work defensively to help Mendy, as did Cruz on that left side. So it was like a combination of individual and collective effort that I think was impressive. I suppose I, I was just surprised that you brought up Carvajal because I, I don't think we, I mean, we didn't talk much about him. So it's good to have that perspective uh, a day after. Um it would be too obvious to mention to mention Militao too. I think Militao was the second best performer in, in, in Real Madrid. It, it was obviously man of the match for Madrid was cross. You Valverde maybe deserves a mention alongside Militao too, but I thought the way Militao kept Lewandowski in his in his pocket was very impressive. I thought you know, I I, I regular listeners know that I'm quite critical of <laughs> Militao when he when I feel he deserves it. And it's time to for me to give uh, to give him credit after such a performance last night. I thought we all were a bit worried about Lewandowski, rightfully so. We know how good he is, and Militao was just uh, unplayable for Lewandowski. I thought he was uh, again. I thought Militao kept him in in his pocket. My my issue with Militao was never really. I wasn't too worried about him defensively. Yeah, like last season, he had that dip in form on defense a little bit. But for the majority, I was more worried about, like, how is he going to do under pressure when Barca pressed him? I think he did give it away a couple times, but defensively, he was it was pretty much perfection. Between him and Chumeni, yeah, like, anytime Lewandowski had even, like, a centimeter to shoot or do anything, they just converged. And, and, and I think that's where, where Ancelotti and all the players got it right. It was like, okay... They're going to try to go down the wings. We're going to have help there, but we're also going to be... And this is this is a testament to also the way Real Madrid have built their current starting eleven, is that everyone can do everything. You go to the wings, you have help there. You cut inside, Fede tucks in narrow. Modric is there. Chuomeni is there to converge. Defensively, they played really well. The thing is, and, and I think often as fans, we, we tend to highlight like what went wrong. Okay, but look, there was a mistake on this goal. Or... There was a, or like you know, there was a mistake on this chance where Lewandowski missed an open net, which was offside, by the way. Um, we also have to remember and understand that no team can do this perfectly. There was no such thing as perfection on defense every single sequence. It's impossible. But for like ninety-five percent, or 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 even more, Real Madrid were great defensively, and yeah. you have that kind of defensive performance when everyone 
again, this goes also back to not only the tactical setup, but also the the unity of the team, the, the, the hard work helping each other out. You give yourself a great chance to win any game. And so like when we talk about oh Real Madrid, like the fine margins and stuff, well, this is what this is what they do to capitalize on it. So didn't it feel like a little bit like Champions League night in the sense that it's not like we had a million chances, but on the chances we had, we capitalized and we defended well, and there was a lot of that heart and fight till the end kind of stuff. Do you feel that way? Mm, in a way, maybe. But in I thought Real Madrid were in control uh, for for most of the game, even though you know Barcelona tried to to keep the ball and keep possession during the second half. I wasn't very impressed with Madrid's attitude uh, during the last third of the game, if you will. I thought the first 15, 20 minutes of the second half were good, but the the last part of the game weren't great, which is why Barcelona ultimately scored and made the game a little bit interesting for the last few minutes until Rodrigo scored the penalty. But I, uh, as to, you know, contrary to to what happened in the Champions League, where I thought that Real Madrid got some lucky breaks, if you will, although obviously they converted their chances and all that, and they they deserve a lot of, of credit. I thought that Real Madrid were a bit uh, dumb, if you will, dominated a little bit in the Champions League more than they did last night. I I didn't I didn't think Real Madrid got dominated last night. I thought Real Madrid were in control. That's not what Xavi said. And to, yeah, yeah, Xavi, I know, I know. He will he will always say Barcelona were in control. He it's what you know, he, he he's not coaching Barcelona for wins, he's coaching Barcelona to for 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 them to have better, a better possession uh, possession percentage and all that. It's just the way it, it goes there. So but I thought Real Madrid were in control even when they didn't have possession of the game. So it was it was a dominating performance for Madrid. Some fans and maybe understandably so can be frustrated about the fact that, you know. Real Madrid could have probably scored four goals uh, last night. Four, they actually scored three, but they could have probably scored uh, four earlier in the game and and make this, you know, a, a better statement or, or a tougher statement for Barcelona. But I thought Real Madrid pretty much took the foot off the pedal gas after uh, after of the gas pedal after the the first two thirds of the game. But we didn't have that many chances. Like, it's not like a game yeah. where you look back and you're like, well, we should have scored this chance and that chance. Like, we really, like, we had a couple chances and we scored from them. What I think, where I think the argument is, and, and by the way, this was, like, it ended up 3-1, so you had a two-goal margin, yeah. but yeah, you could have had 4-1, 5-1. Like, yeah. but when it was 3-1, you could have easily seen a fourth goal, like, one more before the final whistle. When it yeah. was 2-0, you could have, I think you could have easily gone into half 3-0. Yeah, but I, I think, yeah, so, like, to your point, because Ancelotti was asked about this. His his wording was, we didn't take the gas off the pedal. We just wanted to win. We didn't want to thrash them. That was his explanation, which I think you you probably could have been a bit more aggressive if you wanted to, but ultimately I can't complain with a W and a good performance and, and, a, and a game you deserve to win. But I think where the argument is like, could we have created more counterattacking opportunities than what we had? And I think the answer is yes. But we didn't really necessarily get to that stage. Like that, the through ball that Cruz had to Vinicius was just magical. That led to the first goal. That when that happened, I was expecting, okay, we're gonna get like five more of these at least. Yeah, but we just didn't. And um, and so I, I think maybe the frustration is there that we didn't punish a, an extremely visible and obvious flaw in Barcelona's backline, which was well scouted and known about. That they just have no answer to that pass. 
And so I would have liked to have seen more of that, obviously, but we just didn't get it. So yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Ultimately, it was a a very good win for Madrid and one that you know should have Barcelona fans a little bit concerned about their team because you know they faced true and real opposition for for the first time in the season in the last few weeks or so, and they haven't come out uh, on top many times. So we'll have to wonder. And this is what I think. And I don't really know how to gauge the Kule fan base. And quite frankly, I, sh I suppose I, I shouldn't really care. But they have to get over this whole thing of playing a certain way. Because it's been literally have caused, cost them any kinds of success in big games for years and years and years and years. And they just have no answer to it because they just do not defend that way. And the funny thing is, like, it's not even... The way Barcelona play under Xavi is not even like the stereotypical tiki taka. It's like just get get it to the to the wings and cross, hold an extremely defensive high line, and you get burnt. And you and you also become very predictable offensively. This is not like the Pep philosophy, quote unquote. And Pep's no. Pep system has evolved over the years as well. It's not like that. So, uh, yeah, quite frankly, I shouldn't care. But I, I'd I'd be interested to see if like at this point people are starting to see that like you know you need some kind of tactical tactical flexibility this idea of having one certain identity and only playing that way is, is nonsense it's nonsense yeah you know the most successful yeah. team of all time is proving that it's nonsense because they literally are malleable like that the answer is right there um okay so what else what else stood out to you i'm, I'm curious to know what else I thought it was fair uh, from you to mention uh, Tuameni as well. I thought Tuameni defensively, offensively wasn't that impressive in, in his distribution and all that. He had a quite a bad turnover uh, in the second half on one uh, Barcelona shot, which went a bit, a bit just a bit wide uh, late in the second half. That turnover wasn't wasn't great to great to see. But defensively, I thought that his his help was always there for for the center backs and also for the for the full backs. So I thought Tuameni was a was a uh, deserve an honorable mention from him for his defensive performance. Yeah, yeah. I think Tuameni was another one that I think had a couple of bad moments, but ultimately was unfair to kind of paint his whole performance a certain way because of those two moments. Like you mentioned that one. There was another one where I think it was Gavi at that point, but I can't remember where there's a pass. Gavi moves behind Cruz and Cruz doesn't block the passing lane because he thinks Chiumeni is there and Chiumeni is not in position. Mm. And then Gavi turns and he ends up shooting. I think it's a corner yeah. gets blocked where Chiumeni reacts. Like There's like a couple things like that. But overall, I thought Chiumeni was great in closing the space as well. His positioning was good. He's just not a standout performer to me, but that's because I think the standouts to me were Militao, Cruz, Fede Valverde was amazing. And that's like, I wrote about this today because Xavi said last night that Real Madrid beat us in maturity and not intensity. And I was like, what is the definition of intensity? Because Fede Valverde by himself was more intense than all 11 of your players. And um, just the, the fact that, you know, every time Gavi has the ball, like if, if there was, if if there was any more intensity, Gavi would have turned into dust. He would have perished last night because he's just bouncing off Mendy. He's bouncing off Fede. <laughs> like it's just, yeah. I don't know what his definition of intensity was. Maybe his defini definition of intensity is a high aggressive press, which, you know, okay, then say that, I guess. If, but but intensity, that's just a weird thing to say yeah. that you didn't, we didn't beat you with, with, uh, with intensity. Yep, I agree. <clears throat> All right. Um, what do we want to talk about? Ballon d'Or, more game, more stuff from the game, upcoming schedules. 
Just looking forward to seeing if if Courtois is able to to rejoin the squad soon. Obviously, he was uh, expected to be a part of the squad uh, for classical. Ancelotti said that he was surely, quote unquote, and I'm quoting, surely going to be involved in the classical. He wasn't, and you know, as as decent as as Lund has been, if you will. It's the Real Madrid are still uh, conceding goals uh, pretty much week after week. And, you know, it will be good to have some clean sheets here and there because ultimately, you know, uh, those clean sheets will help you win, win points when, when the accuracy is in there you know, offensively. So just looking forward to that. Obviously looking forward to, to the Ballon d'Or for Benzema as well. Great to see him finding the back of the net. As we discussed last week, we will, we both expected Benzema to regain some of his old form uh, against Barcelona. He wasn't particularly great, I don't think, but still managed to score the, the team's first goal, which is obviously huge in, in these kinds of situations. So... Just looking forward to those two being regaining the, their top form very soon, hopefully for Real Madrid. And that's that's the case where we actually improve this season. Yeah, it's. I, I, I people will say like, "Oh, Benzema's form. Worried about him." You and I both said we weren't. Scored a goal. Scored another great goal, which was offside. Um, it's actually a good thing that we've, we're one of the, I think, only four remaining teams that are undefeated in the big five leagues in all, and in all competitions too. We've done it without Benzema scoring. And so if we just get Benzema going now, that means we're actually going to be better. Uh, not only better than you know we were in the last couple months to start the season because we have more offensive production now if he gets going, but also possibly better than last season because we just have the new elements of the Rudiger Chu many piece to help with the depth. So, you know, the fact like we can't discount the fact also that Emilia Tao put in that performance last night because we were also able to put Rudiger in in Poland against Shakhtar and Emilia Tao got to rest that game. Emilia yeah. Tao a player who has to go to Brazil for international duty like we have to like factor that in like, yeah, this is a better team. Militao is better because we have Rudiger to give him rest, you know, that, that invaluable stuff. So uh, I think it it's all adding up. I'm not saying the squad is perfect, but certainly reflecting on it now, like Fede Valverde was amazing last night. Would we have seen this if Mbappe had arrived? Don't, I don't think we would have. So no. like, we got to count our blessings in some way out, you know, yeah. without, without going too overboard. Cause let's see what happens. But, Certainly, I think the other thing that was answered, Lucas, was like, did the 4-0 from last season affect this team? Obviously not. Obviously. It was a blip. Yeah. yeah. Do we have have the stat now? How many classicals we've won in the past whatever many years? Because we had won five in a row up until the 4-0. And now after that one game blip, we're back to winning classicals. Yeah. I don't don't have the stat there, yeah, but... Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. The team might be might actually be better than last season, which obviously guarantees absolutely nothing in terms of uh, the end product, in right. terms of winning La Liga, the Champions League. Maybe this Real Madrid team will go trophyless because of an unlucky break or whatever. I, you know, football is unpredictable in this regard. But I actually agree with you that this team is better than 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 last season because of the of the. Leap of Fede Valverde. Also, Rodrigo has leaped uh, uh, a lot. 
obviously to many I think can help in, in some regards uh, more than Casemiro did or at least on a more consistent basis than Casemiro obviously Casemiro showed uh, in, in big games but to many I think can be more consistent in La Liga definitely the, the addition of Rudiger is huge for, for the team because Alaba and Militao will be able to get some rest. Carvajal is in better form than last season. So I, I agree. This team is in this team is better than 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 last season was. But again, this obviously guarantees nothing. And we don't know if this team will will end the season trophyless. It's, it's just a matter of, of waiting and seeing and hoping that you know you catch these lucky breaks and that you get the points when when some of your key players are missing. Yeah, the Carvajal point being basically the fact that he's playing and he's playing in form this season is, is is definitely a good one that we didn't really have last season until the run in the Champions League towards the end. And, you know, the elephant in the room kind of, and without wanting to disrespect a, a, a Real Madrid legend, is that last night, too, many was press resistant. And, I, you know, I think that in itself was... It's not just an individual thing. It also helps the collective. When, when one person is just a little bit better on the ball when being pressed... It makes the lives of Cruz and Modric much easier, and it's just, it's just a, it's just a domino effect that it makes it easier for everyone to escape the press. So, yeah, yeah, I um, think that I, I think Chouameni's just to wrap it up. I think Chouameni's own uh, presence by itself uh, helps uh, and makes the life of Cruz and Modric uh, way easier, and makes Valverde more of an expense, not not because of. Uh, Understand what I'm saying. Valverde was absolutely crucial last season, his presence, because Casemiro, Cross, and Modric wasn't enough. That trio wasn't enough against some of uh, Europe's best teams. In this regard, obviously, Valverde deserves to start and he's contributing, but he's not as indispensable or as uh, crucial as it was last season. And I think in some instances, Ancelotti might decide to start Rodrigo because of a, of a better offensive production or, or whatever. I think the two many cross and Modric trio can do a better job against uh, the top European teams than the Casemiro cross and Modric trio. It's promising so far. You just hope like it's just, it's weird because you don't know when it ends. Is it one yeah. year from now? Is it three years yeah. from now? Cruz got to get his act together and just basically continue to play yeah. football for the next, I don't know, minimum. They should least. retire. They should retire together in 2024, I think. That makes even, sense. Even I, that sounds too early for Cruz, but like, you know, whatever. At the very yeah, least. At the very least. At the very least. Yeah. At the very least, that should be the ideal scenario, in my opinion. Like, Cross wants to retire on top. He doesn't want to be a bench player and all that. I think he still has one year inside of him when he can be an undisputed starter next season. And Modric, you know, 2023, I can see him accepting another year. So the the, the ideal scenario for me would be 2024. Both decide to walk out and, and leave as the legends they are. This is the greatest central midfield pairing in the history of football. Absolutely, and one one concluding thought, Kian. I had I, I watched the game with my cousin uh, uh, this Sunday, and when Modric got subbed off and and he received this standing ovation from from the Bernabeu, Modric, yeah. Modric, and all that, you know, my cousin said it's unfair that Cross has never received such an standing ovation. 
people don't realize how close the gap is between these two in terms of, you know, how big of legends they are for Real Madrid. I, I still put Modric ahead, rightfully so. He's the Ballon d'Or winner. He's, uh, and all the, I, we can all agree that Modric is ahead, but the gap is closer than most people think. Uh, and uh, it's a bit unfair that Cross hasn't received these kinds of ovations and or, or this kind of treatment from the Bernabeu. Not that he's been treated bad or whistle or anything, but we can all agree that he he is not as as popular among the fan base as Modric. And again, Modric should be ahead in terms of popularity and in terms of uh, of ranking in in legends. But I think the gap is closer than most people realize. It would have been nice to get him off just for that, just to see yeah. the standing ovation because he deserved it. Obviously, what's more important is winning the game and having your best players on the field to the end. But yeah, uh, you know, like, but like at three one, you probably could have done. Although we may have been out of subs by then, I don't know. I wasn't keeping track enough. But yeah, but maybe Cross receives these standing ovations a few times this season, and he reconsiders his stance and signs another year. I don't know. You need to give him this kind of treatment and this kind of tribute some in some games. I think. I think he. There should be Cruz chants every game from now until the season ends from fans yeah. just to convince yeah. them. There yeah, has to I be agree. everything that can be done needs to be done. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is we've never seen anything like this in the football in football's history over this many years, this this far into their careers, this amount of greatness. To do the two players like this, Modric and. And uh, Cruz can already people forget about Xavi and Iniesta, please. Uh, yeah, I can already hear people from other fan bases yeah. like like them yeah. shouting right now. But th- this many years, this consistent, this far into their careers, no, it's not even close. It's no. not close. No, no, no. So, um, yeah, it's just it's just incredible to see them them play together even at this age. And you know, Cruz had that tweet about the Fede being in the top three right now. And everyone, the joke was, yeah, well, obviously you and Mortar are one and two. And I, I don't even think that's not even a joke. That's actually like if I'm doing a draft of central midfielders in world football right now, I'm taking them one and two. The exception is if I can get Kevin De Bruyne in my team. Yeah. But you can, but you can basically, you know, convince yourself, okay, maybe you take him like an attacking role or whatever. But whatever, like. Yeah, I get. It. Because Modric still, it's not he's not past his like he's not playing worse than he was when he was twenty eight. Yeah, yeah, it's unbelievable. It's, so it's great, it's great. Yeah. All right, Lucas, let's uh, let's wrap it up here. We got mailbag on Thursday, so people can submit their questions over on patreoncom Madrid and then get access to that podcast also on patreoncom Madrid, where we do every single Champions League post game show exclusively for patrons. And mailbags for patrons, and then we do Tuesday tapas for patrons. So at the very least, you get two to three bonus episodes per week if you're a patron. And if you're not a patron, you should get in on that. It's only it's it's cheaper than your Starbucks coffee, and you only have to pay three dollars once a month. So do that. Get inside, get a ton of value. Join an ever-growing Real Madrid family. Lucas, thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Thank it was you, fun. Ken. Looking forward to the first NBA talk on, on Thursday after the tip-off uh, tomorrow. We already <laughs> have a question. Uh, Oh. Or mailbag about the NBA. So, <laughs> all right, <laughs> we'll uh, we already have one coming in. Yeah, it's about when when Bayama. So, oh, nice. when Bayama highlight reels from now until Thursday, you can do. Yeah, that. <laughs> all right, bro. All right, Lucas. Thanks, man. Take care. You too. You too. Stay, travel safe. All right. Before we put a bow on this and send you along on your way to enjoy the rest of your day, 
We wanted to give a quick shout out to our patrons over on patreon.com slash who do so much to support the show. And if you pledge $10 or more, not only do you get access to every single bonus content we put out like every other patron does, but you also get guaranteed responses to your questions and you get a specific shout out on the podcast. So shout out to these $10 plus patrons as follows. Brandon Alvarez, Willie Reed, Will Sousa, Wei Pering, Wamik Jamal, Tobias Royal Botcher, Tarek Goktas, Talib Salhab, Tahmid Kalam, Sushank Damala, Sujai Wani, Sumanchu Singh, Sheikh Hatiri, Shamil, Shabal Sharapov, Sergio Arispe, Santos Solorsano, Samuli Justin, Samer Z, Said Mahad, Sai Mohan, Sasi Kumar, Rodrigo Balmaceda, Rishi D, Phoenix, Peter Powell, Paulo Fierro, Patrick Odayafari, Oscar Barrera, Nico Laxo, Nicholas Zapatero Zubiare, Nicholas Moller, Mowgli, MJ Diego, uh, Nick Ribeiro, Michael Zinberg, Marin Myrtle, Matthew Atkins, Martin Ridman, Magnus Lext, Logan Stahl, Leon Stavernakis, Kunal Tilakar, Crystal Glass, Kevin Rivera, Jose Cruz, John Fernandez, Jeff Thurston, Jason Fitz, Ian Marley, Graham Gerard, Gary Kohut, Frederick Rantakiro, Frederick Sundros, Faisal Hamdan, S.A. Davisito, Eloy Enriquez, Edward Sossman, Daniel Williams, Con P., Christian Toth, Christian Acosta, Charles Williams, Brendan Powers, Brandon Stevens, Ashik Bashar, Armand Gashi, Armando L., Antons Rudenko, Anirud Singh, Ananya Kumar, Alex Steiberg, Al, Azaz Hussein, Adrian Rios, Adar Zalukovic, Adam Dorsey, Bella Chow, Varun, Ramtin Magrur, Fabian Moreno, and Daniel Smith. You guys are legends. Thanks for being a part of the family. We look forward to seeing you guys on many more future episodes. And have a wonderful rest of your day. Halamarir.